Hi, it's John Bernadovich, your host of the H Like a Boss podcast. Welcome to season three. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals with the hope of finding what it takes to do HR Like a Boss. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. On today's show, I'm so excited to have Katie Maddie. We've been very persistent in putting this podcast episode behind the scenes. We've had a lot of snafus schedule-wise and some internet issues, but we are here now and super excited to have Katie on the HR Like a Boss podcast. Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, John. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, I know you initially shared a fan of the podcast, and I know we have some mutual connections and had an awesome time to get to know each other over the last couple months. But for those that don't know Katie Maddie, do you mind sharing a little bit about yourself, your background, and your passion for HR? Sure, most definitely. I, I am a huge fan of the show, so um, that's why I'm really excited to be a part of it. I love um, listening to HR like a boss while going through just sort of mundane tasks sometimes. So um, thank you for um, all the great content that you have out there. Um, I think you've had really good guests and I've learned a lot from my peers that you've had on the show. So I am, I'm from Michigan originally and came to Northeast Ohio to go to John Carroll. I graduated in 2001 and majored in industrial psychology and minored in business and Spanish. And with the industrial psychology major, people would normally get a PhD or go into something like human resources. And something that was really, really great about the major was that they required a year-long internship. And um, it, it's, it's so wonderful because breaking into HR can be really challenging. And my internship was actually at ERC. The Sherm chapter at John Carroll went to a job fair at the Brown Stadium and I met Pat Perry and Melissa Cassidy. Um, and they, you know, days later, they called me and, um, and I had my internship and I, I learned so much about HR and they were then responsible for the first 14 years of my career because I worked at member companies of ERC for 14 years. Um, first, I worked at Water Edge in Avon Lake. It's a small manufacturing company where my title was HR manager slash assistant buyer, but it was more HR assistant slash purchasing assistant. And then I worked at a company called Swagger Coil Systems for about 11 years. It started as an HR generalist. Um, within two years there, I probably did everything I ever thought I would in my career. It was a phenomenal learning opportunity. Um, they ended up paying for my master's degree at Cleveland State. I did a master's in labor relations and human resources. And then um, I ended up becoming the HR manager there. And we were sold from one person to another who ultimately sold us to Westinghouse Airbrake Technologies. So um, that was really interesting because prior to that, I didn't really know anything about a publicly traded company or an acquisition, but um, learning about all that was like getting a second master's degree. And then actually once the acquisition was over and, and all the excitement and the busyness with that was um, subsided, um, decisions were made more at a corporate headquarters instead of, of through me. And um, I was more just kind of being given tasks to do as opposed to being the one that kind of was heading up the department. And, um, and so I, I think it was probably a little bit more receptive, receptive to recruiters when they were calling. And um, a recruiter actually called me and proposed the opportunity that I ended up taking at Squire Patton Boggs as an HR manager there. And um, that was, I, I knew that that would be a really good opportunity because it's, it's hard to break into HR. And then once you're in HR, it's hard to move from one industry to another. And so it was a really good opportunity to go from manufacturing to professional services. And um, I loved it. I had a great experience there. 
but then, you know, after all the learning was over, I was one of tons of HR managers all over the world. And um, I was looking for something where I would have a little bit more responsibility. And um, someone in my network actually um, let me know about the position at Buckingham. And I will tell you, this is, this is, this position is, it's like a, for me, it's like a dream job. It's, uh, you know, I, I feel like I learn something new every day. I, I have um, access to, to every part of HR and more. And um, I, I, um, I kind of, for, for the first time ever, have met my match with my manager because um, I'm always wanting more. And I, I think for the first time in my 20 years of working in HR, I had to say, you know, like, stop, you win. I've got, I've got enough going on. So, um, yeah, I do. I, I love HR. I think that that's a really important thing if you're going to have a career in this field is, is first and foremost to love it. And um, yeah, that's that's um, about 20 years and a, a couple minutes. I know that um, kind of like the people here at the law firm, I'm sure as a busy business owner, you like um, meetings to go by pretty quickly. So um, I hope I summarize that quickly enough for you. No, it was great, Katie. Yeah, the story, it's, yeah I know it was a lot of experiences, time, and uh, blood, sweat, and tears, and I'm sure many smiles and successes, and I'm sure many also uh, failures, challenges, skin, knees along the way, and it's great to hear that career story. Also, plug the ERC and Pat Perry, one of my favorite people of all time, so I know we have that mutual connection, and I'm sure he's listening in with a big smile on his face. I remember okay. Katie Wen. I remember Katie Wen. That's what he's thinking. So yeah, so first things first, you talked about love and passion. Very first question I have for all my guests on the show is how would you describe the purpose of human resources? First and foremost, I think that as a human resources professional in an organization, you exist for everyone that's on the payroll and that organization, they're all your customers. Um, you know, treat all the people in your organization like a business owner would treat their clients. And, and then treat those that you're recruiting as potential clients. And then you can add on from there, but you at first you need to treat every every person as a as a client or as a potential client. And you know, I like I said, I report into our managing partner. But if I'm going to take a call from him at six o'clock in the morning, I got to be willing to do that for every person at every level in the organization. And and I would do that. I think um, I would service you know every person in every position the the, the same way. Yeah, that's awesome. I appreciate that. That that love, care, concern, and level of ownership is paramount in the success of a stellar, amazingly awesome HR professional, which I know you are. And I want to continue on our conversation. I know you told me in preparation for today that you love recruiting. So tell me, tell me, tell me why you love recruiting and how that came about. So I've worked, I've done recruiting in all of my jobs ever since I started working in HR um, at Swagger Coil. Um, it's kind of, this is kind of funny because there's this Steve Jobs quote that says you can connect the dots looking back. At the time, I didn't really know what was going on, but our owner was, was trying to grow the company so that it would look attractive to sell it. And so in 2008, when um, people had to, to lay off individuals at their companies, I was recruiting like crazy. There were probably five open positions every single week. And, um, and I, I mean, I just, I, I loved it. You know, um, while, while there were so many people um, being let go and looking for jobs, I had the opportunity to, to hire people, which is so much better than having to let someone go or having to counsel someone or work through something that, that's not going right for them in their career. And then beyond that, you get to choose who you surround yourself with. So, you know, you're doing something great for that person. You're doing something great for the organization. And then even selfishly, when you bring someone great into the organization, it's also someone that you get to spend time with every day. 
Yeah, I love that. Spending time with people you want every single day and your ability to, to have that level of impact on an individual's li- livelihood and their profession and who they spend their time with. I think that is just, that's stellar. That's awesome. I love that. So, okay. So let's talk a little bit about a successful career in HR. You you talked about uh, your initial entree into HR and your, your express gratitude to ERC for that. So tell me how how have you or how would you suggest an individual listening to the podcast right now to build out such a successful career like you have? First and foremost, you have you must love it. And if you don't, it's not the right career for you because it's not um, a job where you're going to add some numbers up and they either equal out or they don't. You're dealing with people and you might be doing all the right things from an HR perspective, but people might not be happy with you. And so, you, you know, you ha- if you don't love it, things like that could really be damaging. So love the job. Um, When opportunities are presented to you, take advantage of all of them and ask for more. Advocate for yourself. Um, Ask why. It's really important, I think, to be inquisitive. I think that um, HR professionals can get kind of a bad reputation for not asking why. Someone comes to you with a concern and you know, if, if you ask why you can gain so much more trust than just telling them, you know, well, this is how it's going to be. I know, for example, at, at Swagger Coil, the person that cleaned the facility one day came to me and said he hated his job. And, you know, in, instead of just telling him, well, if you hate it, then leave, I just asked why. And he said that he hated his job because another employee was washing his feet in the sink. And then the person that cleaned the facility had to clean this sink. And so then I I asked the person that was doing that why, and it was actually because of uh, his religion. He needed to do this at a certain time during the day. So we found a place for this employee to do that. And then the person cleaning the facility didn't have to deal with that anymore. Um, You know, I think when I look back to philosophy class that most people are required to take at the time, I thought it was so unimportant, but you know, those questions like, is this desk really a desk? Is the chair really a chair? Like, why do you, why do you feel like you hate your job today? Why are you washing your feet in the sink? Stuff like that. Um, I think it can make your job um, a lot more fun and it can make people a lot more receptive to you. Um, I think at a, um, at another level more recently, um, within the first quarter of this year, I met with all of our associates and non-equity partners and ask them about their goals for the year. And if they thought their goals were attainable, if not, what barriers were there to meet their goals. And one of our attorneys mentioned um, after working at much larger firms that nobody's really asked those questions. It was all just get your hours in. And if you can't, you know, you're gonna be reprimanded for that. But some really great feedback came from those meetings. And, you know, some of the associates mentioned that, you know, I have goals, but what does that mean? Can I have more clarity? You know, if I, if I, if I don't go on vacation with my friends for that weekend and work all weekend, what, what does that mean for me as far as my advancement or compensation? And, you know, some people mentioned wanting to figure out ways to develop their own business. I ended up um, finding trends. There were about nine different trends within all of the feedback that I got. And people were extremely open and honest. Um, I mean, more than I had even expected. And, um, there's actually two committees now at the firm working on um, kind of paying attention to people's um, comments or questions. We have a, a committee that's working on clarity in, in compensation and advancement. It's called the Development and Advancement Committee. And there's an executive committee member heading it up. And then we're also 
finding we have a business development committee we're finding ways to you know help to develop business for um certain attorneys that either need help figuring out how to do that or just or just need more work um and and there were a lot of other things that were mentioned that were part of trends that um the firm has either addressed or will address in the future and that's all part of just asking why i feel like it's almost like um you know working in hr it's like an onion and there's so many like layers to it yeah so profound it, uh, going back to philosophy class and why is the desk the desk i love that and i, I think you got a ton out of asking that simple question of being consultative and caring in in the same at the same same uh, token so good for you katie keep that up now one thing you mentioned while we were um you know, in one of our previous meetings was this idea of uh, reporting to a CFO and then eventually uh, reporting into the CEO managing partner at your current current role. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just curious as to what that migration was like, because I know a lot of HR professionals do report into finance and sometimes that works well and other times maybe not so much. So tell me about that transition and, and what the value has been for you to, to report in directly to your CEO. Sure. Um, well, I would say first that reporting into finance um, has actually been positive for me. When I started at Swagger Coil, I reported into someone who was the controller at the time, and he had about a team of six people, but he wanted to do a lot more in his career. And so he hired me and he hired a cost accountant. And, um, and I wanted to do more and every time I asked for more, he would give it to me because the more that he that I took on or the cost accountant took on, the more that he could take on. He ended up um, getting promoted to CFO and then to, now he's the general manager of that company with about 250 people reporting to him. And um, I mean, he was probably my my best professional mentor. Um, he encouraged me to go back to school and, and just kind of like helped to teach me how to be a, like a really good professional. Um, and that was a finance person. And at the same time, while I worked there, um, I interacted with the owner of that company a ton, um, but didn't directly report to him. And then at my current firm, um, I actually was hired by the managing partner who actually no longer works at this firm. And so shortly into my time here, the managing partner was no longer the managing partner. And um, someone new took over. And I just feel like it's really hard to do anything in HR that's impactful if you're not aligned with your leader, if you don't have some sort of connection to them. And so not so much trying to report into him, but just to kind of figure a little bit out about him. Um, when he was elected, I, I sought out his secretary and just asked her about him. She said he was great. She wouldn't want to work for anyone else, which was reassuring. And then I just asked him if I could get on some sort of schedule to, to meet with him to talk about, you know, anything that was going on in HR, anything that I could do to kind of help with his transition too. And he gave me um, every other Tuesday at 7.30 in the morning for 15 minutes. So I just thought I'll take it. <laughs> um, and then I, it was it was great because I found out like his vision for the firm or things that he wanted to do were very much in line with things that interested me or that I would love to work on. And it got to the point where we almost, we talked almost every day. And um, I think it was maybe around the end of last year where the offer was presented to me to report into him. And, um, and I think that it's, um, it's a great opportunity. Like I said, it's the first time ever in my career where I, you know, I work for someone that like, that really could outwork me. I mean, I just, I, I can't, like, I couldn't, um, I never thought I would get to the point where I would tell someone like, don't give, like, give me a minute to catch up on all that you've already given me. Um, and then I just, you know, but, but every, like 
I was almost nervous to say that because every project that comes my way is like, it's profound and it, um, it's really increasing my skill set, which I think, you know, I feel like your education and your skill set are things that people can never take away from you. And, um, you know, I just, I, I, I'm really excited about what I'm doing and to the, the future of the firm. Yeah. It's so great to have that alignment with your leader and your passion for what it is that the firm is doing. And I, I, I really, really appreciated that, that insight around education and experience and skill. Those are things that you cannot take away from yourself and always invest in yourself, always find time to make yourself better and improve. I know that's a, a comment commonly made by Warren Buffett um, of always, you know, who, who would you suggest that you invest in? And he always answers the question, well, I would invest in myself. And so if you're an investor, do that first and then look at the companies that you want to add to your portfolio. So profound, profound, Katie, you're doing great. This is awesome. I have to take a shameless plug moment here in the middle of the show to give some dap out to Willery, who has been obviously near and dear to my heart and has supported the formation of the HRLX Boss podcast and continues to provide resources. Thank you, Bridget and Lizzie. Willery's purpose is to empower people and is focused on supporting mid-size companies with our search and temporary staffing support, along with a unique client side HR technology consulting practice. So if you're struggling to find talent in your HR payroll team, or you're not getting the return on your investment for your HR tech, please visit willery.com to learn more. All right, Katie. So one of the things I know we love to do at Willery is to network. And it's been certainly weird and different uh, pre-pandemic, during COVID, now what we'll call kind of pseudo post-pandemic or getting used to life as to what it's like. Now we're getting back into networking again. Why, why is that so important to you uh, to network from an HR perspective? It's really challenging to not, not feel lonely because you can't be someone's HR person and be their best friend. Um, it's just, it's not, it's not a role where you can come and talk about, you know, the, the nitty gritty of, of your life and other people's lives. I mean, you really, you know, everybody's your customer, but you're not, you just, you can't, like I said, you just can't be best friends. Um, so I've actually sought out a lot of different um, ways to find connections in HR. So I was part of an HR peer group through Magnet. Um, I found that through my former manager at, at Swagger Coil. Um, right now, I'm the president of the Association of Legal Administrators in, in Cleveland, which is a, a really, really great organization. So people that are in that organization are all either in human resources, technology, marketing, um, finance at law firms or, or firm administrators at smaller firms that kind of do all those roles in one. And, um, and I love being a part of that group. Um, it, during the pandemic, I, I became more active in the human resources leadership group to kind of keep the participation up and running. They had these town halls that were done via Zoom, which I actually really liked because when you go to kind of like a breakfast meeting, time is spent getting your breakfast and listening to the speaker and sitting at a table and talking to the one person next to you. But in these town hall meetings, you would get put in a few different breakout sessions. So there'd be, you know, you'd have your screen with four people and then you'd get in another breakout session. And I, I met people through that that I keep in touch with that I would have never met if there wasn't a pandemic. I mean, I met people at ERC that, um, I keep in touch with to this day that are in different um, HR roles, which has been really, really helpful. Um, 
because I met a lot of people in HR when I was an intern. Some of those people are now talking about retirement, which was starting to make me a little bit nervous because I thought, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to my network? One of my HR friends is retired now. Um, so just last Wednesday, I talked to a group of students in the Sherm chapter at Akron University. And um, it, it was, it was neat. I mean, cause I feel like now I need to start like, you know, what all of these people have done with me, they've given me this great advice and they've been great friends, like, and they'll still be great friends, but I feel like I need to start giving back to like the next generation. And um, it was, it was fun talking to the students. They ended up inviting me to their friends giving next week. So I'll pop in for that. And Whenever I meet someone, even if it's like at, for example, the Northern Ohio Human Resources Conference, or if I go to any kind of seminar, if it's a like-minded person, I try to make sure to connect with them on LinkedIn or keep in touch. Well, make a point, everybody, if you're listening to uh, connect with Katie through LinkedIn, to give them a shout out that you heard her wisdom on the HR Like a Boss podcast. It sounds like she's open to continuing to grow her network. Uh, and appreciate that for sure. Well, Katie, you've been awesome. I'm going to get you out of here on this. I ask all my Guess the last question is the same. How would you describe someone that does HR like a boss? I would say it's someone who, going back to that original point, treats every person like their internal customer. Someone who is willing to, to um, come come into their their job every day. And if you've done something great the day before, then it's uh, it's time to start over again the next day. So never stop giving one hundred and ten percent. And treat people the way that you would want to be treated. Yeah. Living by the golden rule. It's one of our core values at Willery. And I, I so appreciate your insight. You had a couple really cool things that you said, Katie, I want to do a quick recap and really appreciate your, your fandom of the HR like a boss podcast. I'm sure that was probably a little surreal for me to have you on the show. And I'm sure maybe a little for you as well. So I'm sure you'll be anxious to hear yourself on the airwaves coming up here soon. I love this idea of treating people like a business owner would treat his clients and, and treating them all the same, no different from the managing partner down to an entry level um, new employee. It's really important. As you said, you got to love your job. It's There's a lot of ups and downs, highs and lows in the spirit of HR and challenges that we have. So you got to have a passion for it and to take advantage of opportunities that are presented to you, ask for more things to do, things that stretch your skill, knowledge, and experience so you can learn, grow, and develop. And before you make really tough decisions, ask that all-important question, why, so you can understand what's causing someone to do something that may seem out of the ordinary or affecting someone in a way that we don't want that to happen. You also really did a really cool thing, and it sounded like it got some praise within your internal group of helping your team members, your associates, your attorneys remove the barriers that they have to achieve their own goals. And the fact that you asked that question was profoundly different than maybe sometimes other HR professionals might have in, in organizations that those associates had worked at before. And also, you mentioned as we were talking about CFO to managing partner, CEO, the importance of aligning to your leader, no matter if you report into him or her directly, that you understand what's important to them and get their perspective. And then last but not least, you said something while we were talking about networking that I thought was really cool. You not only are networking with HR professionals, but you're networking within your business's industry and others that are serving them in that association that you mentioned. So I think that's really cool to, to network at SHRM is really great for HR professionals, but depending upon what your business is, if you're in manufacturing or professional services or anything in between, there's definitely niche networking opportunities 
for an HR professional to get to know the business from a, a lens outside of their own four walls of the organization they're supporting. So Katie, fantastic job. Hope you had a good time. I did. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please leave a rating or review or better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR. Thank you.